The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, New Covenant Community Church. I'm glad that you are taking time to be with us and that we are gathering this way uh, remotely in this strange kind of way. And uh, I don't know about you, but I have not gotten used to it. It is still very, very weird to come in here to an empty building and to preach to empty seats, but it's very comforting to know that there's other people on the other side of that camera. And uh, so I'm going to be doing my very best to preach uh, not only to you, uh, but to myself. So I just want to say welcome and thank you for being here on this Palm Sunday. I hope you're comfortable in your home and that you have your Bibles with you, as I know that we will certainly, certainly need them. Uh, these are different kind of days that we're experiencing together as a church, as a church family. Uh, weeks before this happened, days before this happened, uh, no one could have expected this. No one could have foreseen the things that were facing together as a church and as a culture, as a world. And uh, what we've really seen, what I've noticed, and I think probably many, if not most of you have noticed also, is that there are two extremes or two ends of the scale, if you will, regarding the way that people feel about the way that our world is going, the way that this whole coronavirus deal has impacted our world and our church, our church family. Uh, on one end of the spectrum, you have people that feel as though this is completely blown out of proportion and that no one should be closing down. And, and these people are very unsettled by the fact that they can't go to their favorite restaurant and go to their barber to get their hair cut and they can't go about life as normal. On the other end of the spectrum, there are people who feel as though that this will change America and perhaps even the world as we know it. And... What I hope has been made clear in your heart, and if I haven't made it clear from this pulpit, let me just take the time now to make it clear. Uh, the two actions or the two emotions, whatever you want to call them, that I hope you would know as a follower and as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, that, a, that a believer, that a Christian, can simply not go on doing without the Lord correcting them in their life is, is first to be fearful. We know that as God's children we have no reason to fear. So whether or not your fear is that you can't get your favorite burger at your favorite burger joint because everything is closed down, or perhaps you're facing fear of the type that you feel like your world is going to be changed and all of America is going to be forever different, I hope it's been made clear from this pulpit that fear is not in the place of the child of God. We have no reason to fear when we're following our good shepherd. Uh, the other thing, the other attitude or or. Uh, way of going, way of acting, an action, a feeling that I hope is made clear from this pulpit that's also uh, not in the realm of a believer uh, is unkindness. This great difference in the scale of, of one side thinking that this is no big deal and that everyone should be living a normal life and the other side that's completely terrified. Uh, both sides think that each other are crazy for the measures or for the lack of measures that are being taken. Uh, can I just tell you that perhaps this season in your life specifically could be God's invitation to you to give people an abundance of grace and kindness. 
to show kindness, to have fervent love for one another, like the Bible says. And regardless of where you reside on that scale, what this has done for all of us, whether you are dealing with, I know people personally who are grieving the loss of friends and people they know from this virus that has gone throughout and has actually taken the lives of people. I know people that are grieving that, and I also know people that are grieving not being able to get their favorite burger, but we're at their favorite burger joint. But however you end up on that scale, the thing that it has done for all of us is that it has upset the apple cart in our lives. We've, we've, we're doing things different. We're, we're forced to have a different schedule to our lives. All of us have had to change and alter the course of our lives to some degree or another. Now what we've preached over the past two weeks are the large-scale understandings of perhaps what it is that God is doing and, and doing in these times and how He's using the things that are in our culture and in our world today. We talked about the judgment of God and perhaps the signs of the end times that God is using to draw people unto Himself. Last week we talked about the marching orders that are for Christians, that our response before God in these times are to stand, position ourselves, to stand fast and see God working in wonderful, wonderful ways. The goal for today, however, is going to be to answer the question, what is God doing in your personal life? Not what your marching orders are, not what the larger scale of what God is doing in our world today, but, but what perhaps could it be that God is intending to accomplish in your heart, the heart of the believer, in my heart? What is it that God is wanting to do in my heart in these unprecedented times? Yes, God may be giving us and the world indications of His coming return. I believe that that very well could be what is happening in our world today. I also believe that God could be expressing judgment on a world that feasts on wickedness and washes it down with debauchery in a gracious offer to draw sinners to come back home and to come back to the cross. I believe that God could be doing that. I also believe that perhaps God in His infinite understanding and wisdom that is so completely far beyond mine and so much more developed than any of us could ever have, I believe that perhaps He's doing things that none of us are even aware of. But what is God doing in our hearts? What is God doing in your heart? What is God doing in my heart? What does He intend to do with us? How, how is He intending to change us as we go through these times, regardless of where you fall on that scale? So the question I would simply ask and, and, and hope that I would say to all of you in your living rooms or joining us later by podcast or YouTube or wherever it is that you're joining us, uh, is your heart available? to the Lord during this time? Have you prayed? Have, have, you, have you offered yourself not just in a salvific type of way where you say, God, forgive me my sins, and then you become a child of God, but, but have, you, have you lifted yourself up to say, Lord, whatever it is that you want to change me, however it is that you want to, to change me, whatever it is you want to do in and through me, here I am, Lord. And, uh, and I'm going to pray for myself, and I hope that you would join me and praying in your living rooms as well as we pray for, for that specifically. So let's join together in prayer. God, we, uh, we need you. As I've been praying with uh, Joseph and Travis, the people running our equipment this morning, we prayed and, and we said, Lord, we, we need you. We need you in so many ways that we are not even aware of. But we're humbled enough, God, to know that we need you and to know that we need your guidance. Now, God, we cannot 
make it in this life as even as your follower just by our own intuition and intellect. God, we need your Holy Spirit to guide us. We need your encouragement. We need your inspiration. We need you, God. That has been made so clear to so many of us. So I just pray, Father, would you be gracious to us? Would you guide us and reveal to our hearts what it is that you would intend to do in us and through us in these times? In the mighty name of Jesus and all the church in our homes, we all together say amen and amen. I'd like for you to take your Bibles, whether it's on your phone or if you have a hard copy Bible there sitting at your home, uh, please get it and turn to the book of Genesis. Uh, not maybe perhaps a popular text for Palm Sunday, but Genesis chapter 39. We will be there in just a moment. Last week we talked about Jehoshaphat and his people. Uh, how they were things were going pretty well in the kingdom for Jehoshaphat and his people. And, and they were being blessed and everything was going well until someone came and told Jehoshaphat that they were being uprooted, that people were coming across the land to destroy him and all of his people. And, and they were uprooted from this comfortable nest that they had made for themselves. And they were launched into this place of uncertainty of what it was that, that God was doing. And as if you remember the sermon from last week, God fought the battle for them. He caused the enemy to turn on themselves. And, and God's people are standing on this high hill. They see all the enemy that's been destroyed. Potentially millions of them that have destroyed themselves, that God had set ambushes against them, and they're standing seeing what the Lord had done. And the Bible says that they go to take the spoils. There was precious jewelry off of the, off of the bodies of these dead soldiers. And, and they were collecting these valuable things off of the very thing that they thought would, 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 that was up disrupting their life and the way things were going and, and causing upheaval in the nest that they had made for themselves. And I feel very strongly this week that the Lord would have me to continue preach about this idea of, of our comfortable self, the way things usually go, the schedule that we're comfortable with, the way things normally are. When those things are upset, what do we do in those things? How is God intending to change us through these things? In today's message, I'll title, Uncomfortable Blessings. It was very uncomfortable for Jehoshaphat and his people to learn that there were millions of soldiers coming to kill them. But it ended up being a blessing. An uncomfortable thing became a blessing from the precious things that they were taking off the very thing that uprooted them from their comfortable nest. So in Genesis chapter 39, we read about the life of Joseph. Uh, we know much about Joseph. And if you don't know his story and know how God used him mightily, if you don't know that story and you don't know it well, I encourage you to take today and to learn that story Read the whole story through and through. It's an amazing story of God's gracious, compassionate power displayed in the life of a follower. Uh, but Joseph, we know that he grew up in his father's house. He was a favored son. Uh, he was blessed. Uh, he was a gifted son, son among his brothers. See, God had given him the gift of being able to interpret dreams. And, and, and he, was, he was a favored child. And he was, his brothers were very, very jealous of him uh, to the point that his brothers sold him into slavery uh, much more to the story than i'm simply going over and, and we're taking just a ten thousand foot view of his life but his brothers were jealous they sold him into slavery we see in genesis 39 verse 1 it says now joseph had been taken down to egypt and potiphar 
an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And verse 2 says, And the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph was a favored son, and then he was uprooted out of this comfortable home that he was in, and then he was sold to this man named Potiphar. And as you know the story, he was raised up to amazing places of power in Potiphar's house. And the Bible even says that he was, Joseph was so blessed of God and so trusted that Potiphar didn't even know the affairs. He didn't even know what he owned, the Bible says, because Potiphar entrusted all of his goods, all of his affairs, all of his checking account. He entrusted everything to Joseph. And Joseph was taken from this comfortable home, a favored son in his household, and he was uprooted with an uncomfortable thing. And then it brought him to a place of authority, in Potiphar's house. And many of you know the story. Joseph was then falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of a heinous crime that Joseph did not commit. And then we read what happens in Genesis chapter 39. Look down now to verse 20. It says, Then Joseph's master Potiphar took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. So once again, Joseph is made to be uncomfortable. He goes from a favored son in his father's household. He's uprooted. He's raised to power in Potiphar's house. And then he's made uncomfortable again. He's uprooted from the comfortable nest that he had made for himself where he's, he's uh, uh, over the, all, the, all the affairs and all the wealth of this very high official in Egypt. And, and he's uprooted from that comfortable place again. He's sold into Egypt. And then he's thrown in the dungeon again. But we know that this uncomfortable blessing that Joseph is now experiencing the story doesn't end there in prison he meets two men and both of these men have dreams and joseph uses the gifts that god has given him to interpret what both of these dreams mean long story short one of these men is taken and executed another one of these men is brought out of the prison and is then serving in the presence of pharaoh and joseph had asked this man to remember him with the pharaoh to tell the pharaoh about joseph how he was not guilty of the crime that he had been accused of that he was placed in prison improperly and that he ought to be freed long story short the man that was freed forgot about Joseph until Pharaoh has a dream and it's a disturbing dream to Pharaoh and then all of a sudden this man who had formerly had his dream interpreted by Joseph remembers Joseph still in the dungeon and this man makes the recommendation to Pharaoh to bring Joseph out and they do they bring Joseph out he's shaved he's clean he's brought in front of the Pharaoh and Pharaoh tells him his dream and then Joseph interprets the dream for Pharaoh telling Pharaoh that what his dream represents is a number of years of plenty and then a number of years of severe, severe famine. And then Joseph, he's standing there, he's, in his mind, he's still a prisoner, and he just makes the suggestion to Pharaoh. He says, appoint a man, take a man and appoint him, someone who's wise, appoint him over this project of collecting more than you need over the next years of plenty so that in the next years of famine, you and all of Egypt and even surrounding lands will have enough food from all the stores that are made. Somebody needs to oversee that project now if you go right in your bibles to genesis chapter 41 genesis chapter 41 
in verse 37, and we hear the Pharaoh's response. It says, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee! So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. So Joseph is a favored son in his father's household. He's uprooted by this sinister plan of his brothers and he's sold into slavery. He was kicked out of the nest. He was, he was uprooted in this uncomfortable kind of way. And it showed to be a blessing as he was sold to this man named Potiphar and he's raised to power in Potiphar's house. And then God uproots him again with another uncomfortable blessing, being accused of a crime that he didn't commit. And he's sent into the dungeon. And then all of a sudden it turns out to be a blessing again because he's brought out of the dungeon. And then he's raised to power. And from what we can tell from this period of time in history is that Joseph, in this text of Scripture, would have been second in command of the entire known world at the time. It was an uncomfortable blessing that brought this thing about. So if you're taking notes in the margin of your Bible, I wish I could say bulletin, because if I said bulletin, that would mean that you all would be here. But if you're taking notes or you're remembering key takeaway from what we're saying this morning, the first will be simply this, is that uncomfortable blessings take us to new heights. Uncomfortable blessings take us to new heights. It was an uncomfortable thing to be sold into slavery. It would be an uncomfortable thing to be thrown into prison for a crime that you didn't commit. Can I just tell you, it's an uncomfortable thing what you and I are facing in our world today, regardless of where you end on the scale that we mentioned earlier. It's an uncomfortable thing that we're going through. But can I just say, church, that just like it was for Joseph, just like it was an uncomfortable thing for Noah to have to build the ark for all those years and be ridiculed, it was an uncomfortable blessing that brought about this great thing that saved him and his family for Noah. It was an uncomfortable blessing for, for Moses as God is taking him through the wilderness and showing him these things and Moses doesn't feel like he's prepared. It was an uncomfortable thing as God is uprooting him from where he was to bringing him to new heights. Uncomfortable blessings take us to new heights. You may or may not have known this, I find this rather interesting, that when a mother eagle has her little baby eaglets, if that's what they're called, in the nest, and they go from a little fluffy, fuzzy eagle baby to an adolescent one that has their pin feathers grown in and it's time for them to learn to fly, what does the mother eagle do? She begins to take the nest that was formerly 
decorated and, and, and made up with feathers and soft foliage and leaves that made the nest very comfortable for these young eagles, she starts to take the things that were comfortable in it and kicks it out of the nest to make the nest uncomfortable. The more uncomfortable the nest becomes, the closer to the edge that these birds have to get, these baby eagles have to get. And if it wasn't for the fact that the mother would make the nest uncomfortable, these eagles would never learn to fly. I'm pretty sure that you call it an eagle that doesn't know how to fly a turkey, and nobody wants to be that. It was an uncomfortable blessing to these baby birds. It was an uncomfortable blessing for Joseph. It's an uncomfortable blessing that I believe that God is bringing about in our lives today. And what I'll say about this, and you can take your Bibles now to Genesis chapter 50 as we continue on through this story. There's a very real sense, church, and hear me on this. If you've tuned me out, if you're distracted right now in your living rooms, please turn up the volume of what you're listening to here and pay attention. There's a very real sense, church, that God was ordaining and with Joseph and what was happening in his life. Even in the good times, and yes, even in the bad times. Even when Joseph was a favored child in his, in his father's house. And yes, even when Joseph was sold into slavery. Even when God, he was trusted in Potiphar's house. And yes, even when he was thrown into prison, that God was with him. When we get to Genesis chapter 50, which I hope you're there now, we get to the point in the story when Joseph, he's second in command of Egypt, which is the entire known world at this point, He's very powerful. He's, he's been in place of this. He's in charge of this huge, massive project. And, and it was successful. The years of plenty, he collected more than was necessary so that in the years of famine, there was enough for Egypt and the surrounding regions. So guess who it is that comes to Egypt hungry and needing food when Joseph is essentially sitting on the throne? It's his brothers. It's the very brothers that had sold him into slavery. And in chapter 50, we look to verse 18 and we find the portion when, it was his, when his brothers were revealed to him and it was made known that his brothers realized that this is Joseph, their younger brother, who they sold into slavery that's now in command of their lives. Genesis 50, verse 18. And it says, Then his brothers also went and fell before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant it evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. What am I saying, church? I'm saying that when Joseph was a favored son, when he was sold into slavery, when he was thrown in prison, when he was raised to power with, with, in Potiphar's house and then thrown in prison and then raised back up to power, God was with him in all of those uncomfortable things that kept bringing Joseph to greater heights and to greater heights and a greater service to the Lord and a greater impact. He was with Joseph. God was with him in those times and I believe church I'm preaching myself happy this morning I believe with the very core of my being that God is with us that he is with our church family that he is with New Covenant Community Church in these times uh, a female eagle has an incredible way of determining who her mate will be and the first thing that you realize when you study these birds these female eagles is that they are incredibly 
choosy about who it is they choose as a mate. And that's a great lesson for many young Christian men and women to learn is that they are very choosy, but they've got a very interesting way of choosing a mate. Uh, A female eagle, when she's courting with a male, she will take a small stick and she'll fly up very, very high, thousands of feet up into the sky. And this male eagle who she's courting with will be flying up there as well and she'll drop the stick. And, and the male knows what's going on. He knows that this is a courtship practice and he will dive, curling his wings behind his back and he'll dive hundreds of miles an hour and he'll catch the stick. Then what the female eagle does next is she'll fly down and she'll grab a larger stick, significantly larger. And she'll fly up this time, but not quite as high to make it a tougher challenge for this male eagle to have to catch this stick. And she'll drop it. And this male eagle will go down and he'll sink his talons into the stick and he'll be flapping his wings, showing his power and his ability to this female eagle as they go through this courtship process. And if he's able to stop it from hitting the ground, then she'll go on to another stick. And this time she won't grab just a stick, she'll grab a log, the biggest one that this female eagle can get off the ground. She'll pick up and she'll only fly maybe a hundred or two feet off the ground. Not very far. This log is going to hit the ground very, very quickly when she drops it. She drops it, and this male eagle, he will fly to it. He'll sink his talons in. He'll be flapping his wings, flapping his wings, doing everything he can, expressing all of the strength inside of his body to show that he's worthy for this female eagle. And if he can catch it, then he will have potentially won the approval of this female eagle, potentially. And and what's the story in all this? What's the message? The message is that this male eagle has probably learned something that many males learn at some point or another, and that it's very difficult to please a female. No, that's not the sermon. That's not the point of this message. What am I saying? I'm saying that the God who made these eagles in this courtship process that she's ensuring, this female eagle is ensuring that should one of these baby eagles fall out of the nest prematurely, that this male eagle is able to fly fast enough and is strong enough to save the baby eagle's life. And can I just tell you, church, that the same God who made these animals to, to, to work these things out in this way is not a God who has to fly to us to catch us, to stop us from hitting the ground and reaching our doom. No, He is the God who never, ever leaves us. And if you were all here right now, I would say for everyone to say amen. As a matter of fact, I might even ask you in your living rooms right now to say amen to that. He is the God who never leaves us. That's why, church, when we read of Joseph and God's dealings with him, when Joseph was sold into slavery, it says the Lord was with Joseph. It wasn't that the Lord had to go save him. The Lord was with him him when joseph was thrown into prison it says the lord was with joseph basically every event surrounding joseph's light the bible says that the lord was with joseph and i believe that in this coronavirus in these uncomfortable days that i think we like joseph can very rightly say that the devil has meant it for evil the devil has meant this for fear for rudeness on both sides of the scale the devil has meant this for Christians to be turned against each other and for, for this upheaval and this discord among our culture. The devil has meant it for evil, church, but God will use it for good. What am I saying here? What I'm saying here is that uncomfortable blessings 
do not hinder God from being with us, church. Uncomfortable blessings, things that uproot us out of the nest and change our schedules and make us uncomfortable and, and stretch us in new ways. And I am preaching to myself. I had a very sanctifying day yesterday. Uncomfortable blessings don't, however, hinder God from being with us. The daddy eagles that fly fast to save their young, that is not what our God is like. Our God is the God who never leaves us. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 and says, And the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Woo! I'm preaching now. I'm preaching myself happy for my own uprootedness that I've had to be in my own life. My own life that's been altered and changed and I have to throw myself at the mercy of God and say, God, change me. This impatience that you're dealing within my heart give me faith make me more like you here i am lord use me you've never left me i'm here for you jesus and we know that for joseph in this dungeon this is why we know that god was with him we don't know exactly but as best we can tell from our bibles joseph before he was raised to power would have been in the dungeon for about 11 years and can I just tell you, church, it was not as if God was taking a stroll through the dungeons of Egypt and said, oh, that's where I left Joseph. No, God was with him there. And that's why when Joseph is taken out of the dungeon and brought to second in command of the entire known world at the time, we don't know exactly how long that period of time is, but the best, again, the best that we can tell from Scripture is that it may have perhaps been 45 minutes, church, 45 minutes from the time that he came out of the dungeon. Here's Joseph, filthy, stinking clothes, unshaven, long hair, and then 45 minutes later, he's second in command of the entire known world. Why? Because uncomfortable blessings. Uncomfortable blessings for 11 years, church. It did not hinder God from being with Joseph in that dungeon. It does not hinder God from being with us in what it is that we go through. The, the difficulties, the trials, this uncomfortable, uprooted type thing that we're experiencing today. It does not stop God from being with us. Uh, the last thought that I'll leave you with before we close on this Palm Sunday. Can you believe it, church? Next week is Easter. The last thought that I'll leave you with is uh, as a baby eagle is learning to fly, uh, they'll go off the side of the nest. Once the mother has made the nest uncomfortable, they'll go off the side of the nest and they'll be flapping very wildly from one tree branch to the next and, and it's a it's a pitiful scene they're just adolescent birds with their pin feathers and fluff flying everywhere they're just flapping through the branches and 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 they'll go back to the nest trying to find some comfort and what they find is that the nest is no longer comfortable the thing that they go back to, it's, it's, they're stretched beyond that now. It's no longer just sitting under mommy's feathers and, and waiting for the storm to go by. No, the nest is no longer the same that it used to be. These are, these are stretched eagles now. They, they have experienced something new. And the other option is to start flapping. Or what happens to eagles is that as they grow, they learn to sit on the edge of the nest. And as they're sitting on the edge of the nest... 
They wait for a breeze to come by. They learn that eagles aren't intended to flap. That's for chickens. Chickens flap, eagles soar. And these eagles, these young eaglets that are learning to fly, they'll stretch out their wings and they'll wait for the right wind. And once that right wind comes, they'll tip themselves off the nest and they'll just begin to soar with their wings wide open, circle after circle with that thermal draft, taking them just higher and higher with each level. And can I just tell you, church, that as God takes us through these days, through these circumstances, the answer for us is to not go back to the nest and to wish things were the way they always were. That is, that is not the answer. We've been stretched. The nest is no longer the way the nest used to be. And the answer also is to not flap around and to work in our own power. Can I just tell you and confess to you, church, that I was a chicken flapping my wings all day yesterday. And I had to decide in my heart finally to stop flapping my wings and to wait on the Lord, to let God's perfect work have its way in me through these days. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, it says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So church, I hope, I pray that you are encouraged And can I just tell you, on this Palm Sunday, this week before Easter, it is impossible to preach about uncomfortable blessings without also mentioning that day, church, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the very same people that are saying, Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord! Those same people are taking the palm branches and setting them on the road and taking their cloaks, taking their clothes off their back and setting it on the road for Jesus to ride into the city on this donkey. Those same people, Jesus knew would be the same people that would spit in His face and mock Him and beat Him and crucify Him, and butcher Him on the cross, and nail His hands, and nail His feet, and beat His back with the cat of nine tails. It was the same uncomfortable blessing that Jesus knew He was walking into, knew that He was riding into. It was an uncomfortable thing that He was getting ready to go into. That's why He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Lord, not My will, but Yours if it be done. But if there's any other way, God, this is an uncomfortable thing. But can I just tell you, church, that Jesus endured the uncomfort, the discomfort, so that we, oh my goodness, church, so that we could inherit a blessing in Jesus Christ. He went through the uncomfortable blessing of of what it took for you and I to be united with God, for us to be redeemed of God and forgiven of Him. He's forgiven us, church. For those who know Him as Lord and Savior, he's, He's redeemed us because of uncomfortable blessings. And my prayer is that you know this God, that you know Him as your Lord, that He has forgiven you of your sins. That that, that you know the uncomfortable blessing that, that He did should have been your uncomfort. It should have been your discomfort. Church, there's no sweeter time, there's no greater time than this Easter season to set it right with God, to come to Him as a broken vessel knowing that you're broken, knowing that you're a sinner, and say, Lord, forgive me. You took the discomfort that I deserved. 
God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me. Help me not to do these things. I don't want to live this way anymore, Jesus. Forgive me for what I've done. I turn my life around and I follow You, Jesus. I trust You. I trust that Your blood has wiped away all my former sins. I'm new in You, God. I'm made new in Your image. I'm made new in Your presence and in Your blood. Let us all join together as we pray in our homes together. Oh, Jesus, what a, what a Savior. What a Savior You are, God. Jesus, on this Palm Sunday as we are joining together in our living rooms, and these are, these are different and strange days, God, but, but we still rejoice, God. We still worship You. We still lift our hands to sing Your praises. We still acknowledge that You are on the throne. We still worship You, God. We still pray. We still trust You. We still trust You, God. God, thank You for saving us, for being a redeeming Savior. Oh, be with us in these days, Lord, as we walk through them faithfully, as we walk through them patiently, as we walk through them steadfastly, and trusting You each and every step of the way. Father, we love You. God, have Your perfect work in the unbeliever that You're drawing to Yourself. God, have Your perfect work in them, God. And Father, we pray as a church, as a church family, here's our hearts, God. Change in us what You want to change in us. Help us to see that the discomfort we're feeling right now is a blessing and it will bring us to greater heights. And You've never left us for it. Oh, Jesus, we worship You. And we love you. It's in your great and mighty and name of Jesus that we love so much. And we all say together as a church, amen and amen. God bless you. Uh, I look forward to Easter regardless of how it happens. Uh, Jesus is no longer in a grave. And we will celebrate Easter. I don't know exactly how we will celebrate Easter but we will celebrate it, and I will be singing the praises of the Lord this week, and I certainly hope that you do too. Uh, love your families. Love your neighbors. Be safe. If you need anything, or if your neighbor needs anything, and you are unable to care for them yourselves, that is why we are here as a church. And when I say anything, I mean anything. Call the church, and we are going to make sure that we go through this together faithfully, trusting God, making no decisions in fear, and loving one another very well. So God bless you today as you worship our Lord and Savior and enjoy His presence in your home today. God bless you.